Welcome to the Transformation Leaders Podcast. I'm Tony Lockwood and I'm delighted that you could join me on this latest episode. Each episode takes the form of a discussion with a leader who openly shares their experiences of leading organisations through the transformation journey. My guest today is Phil Johnson, founder and CEO of the Master of Business Leadership Programme, a programme focused upon developing emotional intelligence, inspirational leadership and higher consciousness to build career, personal and corporate success. He is the author of six books, and I'm delighted that he has agreed to come and share his wisdom with us today. So let me introduce you to Phil now. Well, good morning, Phil. Thank you very much for uh, joining us this morning on the, the latest Transformation Leaders podcast. I'm delighted Hi. that you can join us. Tony, um, uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Brilliant. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to exploring your, your experience in a little bit more detail and, and specifically on your perspective around um, you know, your, your experience in, in the world of uh, emotional intelligence and how you see it as being an essential element of any successful transformation. Um, but before we start getting into the detail, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's sort of step back and uh, if you can introduce yourself and, and tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background. I suppose, how you first moved into the world of change and transformation. Uh, sure. Um, let me start out with your last question first. Um, I was born with dyslexia, and uh, that forced me out of my comfort zone um, at a very early age, well, from birth. Um, and uh, early years of grade school were uh, were extremely difficult. Back, By the way, back in those days, there was no such thing as dyslexia or ADD or ADHD. So uh, I didn't actually realize that I I am dyslexic until uh, about 35 years ago. Wow. But I'll tell you, um, I really consider it now a gift because um, it forced me to do a lot of what I, uh, what I refer to as emotional labor that helped me to prepare for the... Uh, for the work I've been doing for the last uh, 22 years. Yeah. So I'm an executive coach. I've been working with executives and organizations all over the world <clears throat> to uh, to help them uh, achieve better results by developing uh, their leadership and emotional intelligence with a, a program I created called the Master of Business Leadership. Mm-hmm. And before that, what we you know, I, 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 looking back on your background, you had 20 odd years. Uh, working in uh, the semiconductor background uh, of semiconductor industry, shall I say? Yeah, I um, I spent twenty years in the uh, in the semiconductor industry. Uh, I finished my career in that industry as an executive, traveling about sixty thousand miles per year throughout North America and the Pacific Rim. Um, but my passion has always been um, what I do now. Yeah. In uh, in helping executives and organizations. Okay, well, let, we'll get. I'm sure we'll get into more detail about that and, and how you sort of made that transition in, in a while. But we always start this podcast with uh, one standard question: How do you define transformation from the organization perspective? Uh, well, an organization is simply a a um, a group of individuals that have agreed to come together for a for a common purpose um, to serve the uh, 
the marketplace with some type of product or service or, or combination. But you can't have organizational change without individual change first. Yeah. So there's a there's a methodology for individual change and there's a methodology for organizational change, but the individual change has to has to come first. Okay. No, that's 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 totally agree with that. I think the um you, you know that we, we spoke earlier about the need for taking people on that journey. And, and uh, you know, if you if you don't, then you know there's a the major major risk to the successful outcome of, of, of whatever it is that you're trying to transform. So I totally agree with that. Um just going back to that transition from career in, in um semiconductor to moving into self-employment and coach, some people would say that's that's a big decision. So just tell me a little bit more about that perspective, your perspective at that time. And, and you know, you, you, you said earlier that, you know, you felt that it was your natural, natural sort of yeah. uh, transition. Be, be good just to get a little bit of uh, a, a sense around what you were thinking at the time. That's a great question. Um, thanks for asking it. Uh, I've known since the early 1980s that um, this is my passion. This is what living and working on purpose means for me. I actually had people come up to me uh, suggesting that I, I do this kind of work um, about 20 years before I actually had the courage to take the leap of faith right. of, uh, of leaving my corporate career to um, – to doing what I'm doing now, I um, I actually interesting story. I uh, I made the decision, uh, um, and I had to call. I was driving into work one morning in the summer. I remember it was a beautiful sunny day, and I said, you know, if I'm ever going to do this, um, I've got to take the leap of faith and start. So I actually called my wife up. Um, and told her what I was going to do, and she was very supportive. And I drove into the office, and I handed in my resignation. Um, and I, I and uh, I didn't have any clients at the time. Right. And I actually started with a $20,000 line of credit. Um, so I left a very successful corporate career to take the leap of faith. Now, I've generated several million dollars since then. Yeah. Um but it really required me to to take that leap of faith, and I really um, I really don't necessarily recommend that approach for anybody. But um, it's really a path that I've been on for about fifty five years, and um, it was a decision I didn't make lightly, and it didn't happen overnight. But it did require me to uh to have the courage to take that leap of faith yeah yeah so in, in terms of your um your career within the semiconductor and you were saying you were doing a lot of a lot of what you now help other organizations to embed around sort of emotional intelligence and 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 that link to leadership um what what were the key things that you were seeing within your career with the 
made you realize actually you you're looking at things in a slightly different way to what the norm is and actually um a lot of what your your ways of working your your ways of thinking uh there's an opportunity there to to help others to deliver greater greater success in personal life and in organizational life yeah another great question um a tremendous amount of toxicity um drama chaos conflict disengagement lack of trust lack of awareness mm-hmm. um it's a it's a it was a huge problem and it's it's an even greater problem today because of the accelerating rate of global change yeah. uh the current level of employee engagement worldwide according to gallup is around 13% Low levels of employee engagement are costing the U.S. economy alone over a trillion dollars a year. Um, and it's also why over 80% of all uh, mergers and acquisitions and employee engagement initiatives fail. Yes. Um, so there's, a, there's an incredible and growing need for the development of our emotional intelligence to be able to face the challenges uh, we're facing now and are going to face um, and look for the opportunities in those challenges. We're facing a um, a tsunami of accelerating change, <clears throat> excuse me, with a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. Um, there was a study done at UC Berkeley over 40 years um, comparing intellectual intelligence with emotional intelligence and they concluded that emotional intelligence was 400 percent more valuable than intellectual intelligence in determining career personal and corporate success so um the lack of emotional intelligence represents a huge gap in our development and that we need now more than ever and and, and just um you know Talk me through um, your thinking around emotional intelligence, how you define emotional intelligence. What are the key um, elements of, of, of that that are evident and in some cases not evident um, with some leaders that you've been working with? Yeah, emotional intelligence very simply is um, the ability to feel the fear and anxiety that change and innovation uh, always triggers in us and be able to acknowledge it and move through it towards uh, moving towards the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety to keep us uh, trapped in our comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really the journey of uh, moving towards something you have a strong emotional connection to um, that develops emotional intelligence, inspirational leadership, um, higher consciousness of what's going on in us and around us, uh, which actually creates greater freedom from our ego-based fear and leads to higher levels of trust and engagement. And that guarantees career, corporate, and personal success. Mm-hmm. And I've been uh, I've been proving that in my coaching practice um, all over the world for the last 22 years. Right. And... and, and- you know, there's one thing having that emotional intelligence and 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 understanding that from a personal perspective. But I think real leadership comes in when you you take that knowledge and understanding of what it means to you, 
and then look to work with your team and your people with that through that lens and through that with with, with that mindset because they everyone's going through the same process in their own head and, yeah. and, and um, working through how to help them and support them through that that change journey. Yeah. Um, emotional intelligence, the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process. It's not an intellectual process. And by that, I mean, you can't develop emotional intelligence or for that matter, leadership um, by reading a book or having a conversation or watching a video. Those are intellectual processes the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process and uh, quite frankly our our educational employment systems have failed us because they've uh, they focus primarily on our ability to do intellectual labor and they've done little or nothing to develop our emotional intelligence so do, do you think um, it's that's it raises an interesting question though around sort of nature nurture um and, and 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 from my experience, I think there are people that are much more um, much more emotionally intelligent naturally. You know, they're much more um, what's the word comfortable with being with people, engaging with people. Um, not necessarily extra, extroverts, but more sort of as you say, naturally engaging people than others. Um, yeah, and, and whether that is nature or whether that is nurture is a is an interesting question. It's not, it's not nature. It's it's not nature. It's nurture. The only way people develop the capability you're suggesting or you're 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 talking about is based on how they handle fear. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that they all have in common is that they have some desired result that motivates them to leave their comfort zone in the pursuit of that desired result and move through the fear and anxiety that occurs in them when they leave their comfort zone. And that journey, that process, is what gives them the insights into themselves and other people um, that we are drawn to, uh, that we see in them. But it didn't happen from birth. It happened through an experiential process of moving through their fear mm -hmm. as opposed to being controlled by it. No, that's a good point. And, and a point I'd not really thought about previously. So, no, totally, totally agree. Um, so in, in, in terms of your experience working with leaders uh, across different sectors, different geographies, um, what are the... What are the um, key elements that you think uh, that you observe repeatedly that are stopping them from being good leaders and driving change and um, within their organisations? What are what are the key things that you you keep seeing? One one thing: um, ego based fear. Right. Ego based fear. And what do you mean by ego-based fear? Just just explain that a little bit more. Yeah, we're only actually conscious about three to five percent of the time. The rest of the time, we're relying on our habits to determine our behaviors and our results. That's fine, but our ego never wants us to be in the present moment. Our ego 
wants us to feel superior or inferior to others, but it, they never want us, it never wants us to feel equal. So um, the fear that's created in us um, by our egos uh, is what blinds us to what's going on in us and around us. And it's constant. Um, for for hundreds of millions of years, um, there's a part of our old lizard brain uh, called the amygdala that's been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never leave the safety of our cave mm -hmm. or our comfort zone. So if we do, it automatically triggers the release of a hormone called cortisol into our bloodstream. And that causes the executive center of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. Excuse me. Some people lash out. Some people run away. Yeah. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. Um, and it causes us to often say and do things we later regret. When that happens in conflict situations, people die. When it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that changing innovation always triggers in us and be able to move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety to control us. So unless you have a an emotional connection to something you want to achieve that's greater than your fear, um, you may want better results than you're currently getting, but you're not going to be willing to do the emotional labor uh, that getting better results requires. And quite frankly, most people don't. And so if they're not willing to change themselves, the only alternative they have is to try and use some position-based power to control, manipulate others to get them to change. And that's why we experience such a high level of toxicity and disengagement amongst individuals and organizations. It's really driven by ego-based fear. Interesting. So when you are engaged with organizations and individual leaders, I suspect, um, that have experienced that toxicity within the, the organization, um, what what are the what are the sort of core elements and one of the key things that you look to? What do you do? What do you, you know, what do you look to change and and how do you go about doing that? What are the key, key lessons? Yep. Um, the first thing I ask them is, "What do you want?" <clears throat> because people don't do what they need to do; they do what they want to do. And when somebody tells you what they want, they're also telling you what they don't have. And the bigger the gap between where they are versus where they want to be, they're more motivated they are to look for a solution to close that gap. And without that motivation, um, they simply won't have um, the willingness to do the, the, the challenging emotional labor that, that change and better results requires. Um, just on that, do you find that people naturally know what they want or is yeah. that a you know is that something that you've got a prize out of them and, and through, through through well um the questions yeah that's a that's a great question um they may know what they want on a surface level yeah um hey i want to advance in my career or i want 
to generate more revenue or, <clears throat> you know, I want to, I want better results in my personal life or, or something. Um, but what they get in the MBL program along with that is so much more, but they're, what they want initially evolves as they go through the program mm -hmm. and they, their actually motivation um, changes from a motivation based on pain or wanting to get away from something uh, to a, a motivation based on passion, wanting to move towards a, a desired result. Mm -hmm. um, but um, what they want evolves as they become more conscious of what's going on in them and around them. Right. Yeah, I, th I think I think that sort of um, we, we, we're talking about um, this a little bit in a previous episode, um, but it was it was around that sort of really helping someone to understand what their passions are and what their passion is, should I say? Um, yeah. And and you might you'll get a, you'll get an initial response when you when you ask them what they want, but it's yep. it's 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 then um, peeling back the onion layers really, and, yep. and, and, and by asking why and why is that important, and getting down to the real core element of. of Can I make a comment on that? And you're absolutely correct, um, and this relates to the the fundamental core concept which involves energy physics. So let me just uh, rant about this for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Um, when we're born, uh, we're not born with a conscious mind. We are born with an unconscious mind, but we immediately start, we, we don't start to become conscious until we're about a year or so old. Um, and we immediately start wiring up our brain, creating the neural network pathways in our brain that become our habits in order to survive. Um, and a lot of those habits unconsciously cause us to give away our energy. And we do it in lots of different ways, how we communicate, listen, take responsibility, make decisions, all sorts of ways. But when we unconsciously are giving away our energy over here, it creates an energy deficit in us. Um, so at the same time we're giving away our energy, we have to be replacing that energy by trying to steal energy from other people over here. And that dynamic is going on inside of everybody, everywhere, all over the world, all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is the root cause of all drama, chaos, conflict, war we see everywhere. So what I do with the MBL program is I show people how they're unconsciously giving away their energy and I give them better habits to practice to stop doing that. And when they stop giving away their energy, their need to steal the energy of other people goes away because they don't need it. And it's in that process that uh, you develop your emotional intelligence, you become a more inspirational leader, you raise your level of consciousness about what's going on in you and around you, which leads to higher levels of engagement and better results. And, and I suspect the starting point of that is 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 helping them to identify where they are allowing their energies to 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 be taken by others. Yeah, yeah. Um, the starting point is helping them to connect emotionally with something they want to achieve that motivates them to leave their comfort zone in order to achieve it, because without that motivation. It's like putting that motivation is like putting fuel in your in your car. Without any fuel, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So without that emotional connection to a desired result, 
that's stronger than your fear, you're not going to change. You may want better results than you're currently getting, but you're not going to be willing to move out of your comfort zone and create those new habits that are going to enable you to get those better results. Right. Interesting. And 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 sort of taking it back into the world of change and transformation, organizational change and transformation, which is uh, the sort of core element of, of, of this podcast series. Um those, those individuals that you working working with, who are, you are working with, per say, are leaders within organisations. They may well be leading significant change programs. I can absolutely understand the process that you've gone through with them as individuals. How do you then help them to translate that knowledge and that experience? into helping others within their organizations to go through that same journey. Yeah. Um, that gets into the methodology for organizational change. Yeah. Think of an organization as a big pool of energy. Um, the more people you, as an analogy, think of an organization of made up of three types of people, uh, sheepdogs, sheep, and wolves. Yeah. And the wolves, uh, often use some type of position-based power to feed off of the sheep. Yeah. And the sheepdogs uh, protect the sheep and battle the wolves. Um, the more sheepdogs you develop within an organization, uh, the less drama, chaos, and conflict there is in the organization. So as you develop more and more sheepdogs, the negativity, the drama, chaos, and conflict within the organization begins becomes less and less. Yeah. And so the organization can heal itself from the inside out by developing the, the leadership and the emotional intelligence of people in it. And typically, um, once about 20% of the people are, are learning to stop giving away their energy, it takes on a momentum within the organization because of the behavior and better results they're creating. Um, and other people start to uh, to move on board <clears throat> um, to move in that direction. And then the folks that are having the most difficulty with change end up leaving the organization mm. for, a, uh, for a more chaotic environment. Uh, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and like we, we use same different analogy, but the same same principles. It, it's you know identify those people that are detractors, identify those people that you can be that can be converted to be the change agents, yeah. and then that the, uh, and and, and the, the the majority will then start to flow with the change agents. The change agents are your sheepdogs. Your, 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 your detractors are the wolves and, and yep. the, yeah, the, 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 the bulk of the people are sheep. But it, it's getting yep. the change agents engaged early doors. And, and what I found is that, you know, if you, can, if you can identify those wolves early on, you can convert those and they become the biggest supporters and the biggest change agents moving forward. They can become... Well, you know, a couple of comments. The wolves are going to be the last to change. Because the wolves, by definition, are the often this perceived as the successes within the organization. Mm -hmm. So they they typically have the least amount of motivation to change. Uh, the other point I want to make is um, it's important not to ignore victim behavior. 
it's important not to not to uh, not to not to deal with it because if you ignore it, it doesn't go away. It'll metastasize within the organization, much like a cancer, and end up killing the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it needs to be acknowledged and dealt with um, and not ignored. No, absolutely. Um, and all too often, I find that um, people go down the route of least resistance. So they, they, they do ignore it. And, and as you say, it grows and grows and grows and come back, comes back and bites you on the bum very, very quickly. In, in, yeah, in, and in so that's... Painfully. That's why we have such a low level of employee and customer engagement that ignoring is really costing trillions of dollars a year. It's costing organizations trillions of dollars a year. Um, And it's really affecting both top and bottom line results. And the reason, well, that's another discussion. But the point is that... um, because of the accelerating rate of global change, um, if we continue to ignore it, it's going to get much worse. Um, and the cost of ignoring it is going to become much greater. So we're really kind of at a tipping point where we're being forced to, um, to evolve, mm-hmm. to become more conscious and to uh, to learn to stop uh, giving into our ego-based fears and that cause us to give away our energy. So uh, I, if, if there's one thing that you could leave us with as a, a thought process or a, um, you know, a trigger to, to get people to do more research and, and, and maybe um, contact you to, to sort of develop the, the, the knowledge of the MBL uh, program that you run. Um, what's that one thing that you think is the key trigger point for people um, to really sort of engage with that whole process of of moving away from uh, ego-based decision-making? Yeah. Um, throughout the balance of this century, we're going to be facing accelerating rates of global change which is going to necessitate the development of our emotional intelligence to be able to turn those changes into opportunities for better results. And I encourage everybody to invest in themselves, invest in relationships with themselves, other people, and the planet around them. The ROI is incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, thank, thanks a lot, uh, uh, Phil. That that was really insightful. Um, uh, what we'll do, we'll put on the show notes links to to, to your website um, and, and and details. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a link to my uh, Zoom calendar. If anybody wants to uh, reach out to me and uh, continue the conversation, I'd be happy to. And I also want to thank you for your uh, for your leadership and the emotional intelligence um, in doing what you do. Um, it's really an honor to be uh, to be part of uh, the work you're doing. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Phil. Phil, thank you so much for joining me today. If you're interested in learning more about the Master of Business Leadership Programme, or indeed continuing the discussion with Phil, 
please use the link in the show notes to arrange a call with him. The Transformation Leaders Hub community offers a variety of benefits for individuals looking to develop their leadership skills and drive positive change in their organizations and communities. Here are some of the main benefits of joining. Number one, access to exclusive content. As a member, you'll, be, you'll have access to a wealth of resources, including exclusive content, expert-led workshops, webinars, and more. Two, professional development. Our community is designed to support your personal and professional growth, offering opportunities to learn new skills, gain valuable insights, and connect with like-minded individuals. Number three, networking opportunities. Connect with other change and transformation leaders from a diverse range of industries and backgrounds and build relationships that can help you drive positive change in your organization or community. Number four, a supportive community. Our community is welcoming and supportive space for individuals to share their experiences, exchange ideas and learn from one another. And finally, inspiration and motivation. Interact with other change and transformation leaders, share your experience and draw inspiration and motivation from the successes and challenges of others. By joining the Transformation Leaders Club community, you'll have access to all of those benefits and more. You'll be part of a community that is dedicated to driving positive change and then transforming the world through effective leadership. Sign up today. So with that, thank you for joining us today on this podcast. I'll see you very soon. Bye for now.